Well, here we are, Veronica. We made a promise to our listeners Mm -hmm. that we are going to get back onto a regular release schedule. We're going to get back to seeing new number one movies Mm -hmm. so we can keep, you know, up to date with where the the public conversation is. Yeah, so because this show is about us uh, having our fingers on the pulse of what people are talking about in film these days. So, okay, Mm -hmm. here we go, Veronica. Tell me, what's number one at the box office this weekend? Uh, Oh, it's the spy uh, action comedy Argyle. Oh, a movie that, uh, that got number one despite bombing and that already no one cares about uh yeah but it was it was made by apple it cost a ton of money i'm sure it's gonna have a long long life fuck our new year's resolutions Toot toot. That's, I imagine the theme song's already played. Um, we said toot toot for kind of late. Is this like going to be on the podcast? <laughs> this is in this, the episode. This, this is in the episode. We're going to be, uh, sure. <laughs> We're in person right now. For the first time in months and months, we are recording this in person. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow, two minutes in. This episode is already more disjointed than our usual episodes. I mean, we're off our rhythm. Oh, uh, okay. Well, should we start acting like we're on Zoom? Like, do a three-second break between every sentence? Yeah, should we clap? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start every sentence like, and then, no, you go. No, 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 you go. Uh, <laughs> I, ha- I have a feeling, as just happened. Oh, that- we still did it. <laughs> That it will keep happening regardless of where we are, but sure. Good. Well, I'll accidentally put myself on mute midway through the episode. No and matter I what. will sound like Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> That's a deep cut. A deep cut to all the fans. For the boxies. The boxies. That is uh, what our fans call themselves famously. Of boxies. On uh, our fan Discord. Hi, boxies. <laughs> on the box board. <laughs> well, what the fuck is this? And who the fuck are we? We are fucking Veronica and John, and we love fucking a- talking about movies <laughs> that are either fucking currently at the box office or were fucking at the box office X decades ago. Hey, see if you can guess who had an app a uh, happy hour at work <laughs> and which one of us is trying to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? Maybe we were a few glasses of wine in, but that makes sense because we're talking about the light, frothy (laughs) action comedy Argyle. You know what? Screw it. Let's let's pull back the curtain. Neither of us like this movie. Yes, and I I feel like we should preface this by saying that we're going to be spoiling it. Oh yeah, we have to. Otherwise, 
this will be a very surface level boring conversation. And let's face it, no one is going to watch this. No, and no one did. This movie cost $200 million, had a uh, estimated $80 million marketing budget, and in its opening weekend made $18 million. That is, for the mathematicians at home, bad. <laughs> And yet, it's still number one, and we said we were going to get back to a recording schedule. So we went, not only did we go and see it, mm-hmm. I want to be clear, not only did we go and see it Together, movie, hand in hand. Together. We saw this movie together for the first time in, gosh, very long, since one of us moved across the country. Yeah, who's to say which one? I don't know why I'm saying it like <laughs> it's not me. Since I moved across the Pay country. Paid $25 to <laughs> we, see it each we saw this at the famous <laughs> Grauman's Chinese Theater. Um, uh, I had never seen a movie there before. We walked up. Veronica said, can I get two tickets for Argyle? And they said, good, $50. <laughs> and then they slapped me in the face. <laughs> Not a joke. Apparently, if you go see a movie there, the tickets are each And all of this was taking place during, I guess, a somewhat rare uh, storm in Los Angeles. Not just a storm. An historic storm, uh, what the meteorologists call an atmospheric river. But also call it Pineapple Express? Is yeah, that true? These are both terms. I guess that's where the 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 weed in the movie Pine- uh, Pineapple Express gets its name. Huh. But yes, um, the meteorologists call this atmospheric river, which sounds like, like a Dungeons and Dragons spell, <laughs> but is apparently when there is so much uh, wet atmosphere in the sky. Too much what? That is- Must river. <laughs> If you went to the Weather Channel, that's all it said. The headline was too much wet, must river. Um, but yeah, so what we're saying is we wasted money and risked our lives to see Argyle from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn. Now, has anyone checked in on him? Is he... This is mine too twisted. Is he okay? <laughs> Have doctors been able to untwist his mind? Oh. <laughs> That was, of course, uh, uh, how the trailers in the $80 million <laughs> marketing budget for this movie. Um, I, You are probably, listeners, you know about this. You're probably currently blanketed by an Argyle uh, billboard. Um, or a sweater. Or a sweater. There are probably <laughs> Argyle ads playing. I mean, you're definitely reading that Argyle book that may oh, yeah. or may not be written by Taylor Swift. When you close your eyes, there are Argyle teaser trailers playing on the insides <laughs> of your eyelids. When you make love to your spouse, uh, when they orgasm, they scream, the greater the spy, the bigger the lie. Yeah, I assume what the people who bought Vision Quest Pro or whatever it's <laughs> called are just watching Argyle on repeat. <laughs> so, yeah, the marketing for this movie was everywhere. It did not work. Um, yeah, whoever did the marketing for this should not be hired to do marketing for other movies. This is fascinating. For anyone who listens to this in the future, so they've been marketing this for for a while. And there were multiple steps to this marketing. Um, At first, 
They claimed that it was an adaptation of the Argyle book series by the uh, uh, reclusive author Ellie Conway. Yeah, the Alana Ferrante of the thriller genre. (laughs) (laughs) My flat top friend. Um, uh, However... Um, people like uh, people caught on and pretty quickly were like, well, wait a minute. That's Ellie Conway's the name of Bryce Dallas Howard's character. There's some tomfoolery going on. But there was a whole thing where they claimed that this was based on a real book. Uh, conspiracy theorists, which are in 2024, I would say 60 percent of the population <laughs> um, started thinking that. Taylor Swift wrote the movie? Was that? She wrote the book based on which the movie was based. So if you go on Goodreads, which I could do, and I have, like a lot of it is like people say Taylor Swift wrote this. You know, I'm not I'm not the biggest Swifty. Uh, I've listened to a number of albums. Got wow. 1989 on vinyl. Damn. I'm going to guess. The Taylor's version? I know because I bought it before. Oh my yeah. god, you're the enemy! <laughs> I gave money to uh, Scooter Braun, <laughs> Shooter McGavin, whatever his name Scooter is. Scooter Braun, baby. Um, uh, but yeah, as a, as a uh, semi Swifty, I'm going to say no. I do not think Swift had a hand in the writing of Argyle, and if so, Taylor. Stick with music. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. We're already getting mean. It's... But also, the book is not the movie. The book, no. I think, is an actual adventure of a spy named Argyle and not whatever it is that we watch. They which have not this. Really... Okay. All right. You know what? We're just... This, is, this episode is just going to be us trying to gather... Uh, why this movie didn't work as much as it did. So I'm. This just, will be an uh, autopsy. An autopsy. <laughs> and we're like morticians in like one of those uh, procedural TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Where we're like eating hoagies over the dead body. We're going to put some like of whatever like Chloe Starling puts on her nostrils mm. before excavating that body from the river. So we're going to do that so that we're immune. <laughs> to the stench that is our guy well i want to be clear i don't hate this movie oh i i sort of do i hated watching it okay but there's a difference because (laughs) movies i hate are movies that are you know trying to communicate something ugly or movies that are lazy and I think everyone put their full effort into this mm. movie. People tried with this movie. It's just everything they were attempting was uh, bad. It's just, it's so, so I'm a reader of a lot of mysteries, spy genre sort of overlaps there. And it just made me so angry. <laughs> just like the storytelling in this movie is so subpar. And so bad that, yeah, I think, like, I sort of hated this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Veronica, you want to be blown away? Yes. I'm going to attempt to describe this movie uh, uh, straight through in 25 seconds or less. Okay, hold on. I'm I'm going to start start a... So, for all you spoiler folks, we are going to spoil this because literally... Um, this is a movie where every third line is a twist. Um, do any of the twists matter or emotionally affect you while watching it? No, that's a problem. But yes, it's nothing but twists. So I'm going to attempt to do this. What did I say? Ready? 25 seconds? You said, I believe so. All right. Three, two, one. 
Go. Ellie Conway is an author of a popular spy series of novels. She's working on the latest book. However, she is attacked by actual spies who say that her books are so realistic that she has predicted what actually happened with the actual spies. So they're trying to kill her. So then they take her. Then she finds out that actually it wasn't that she predicted anything. She herself was a spy. Uh Damn it. You made it through the first act. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, maybe I, I, I maybe I'm bad with time. Okay, let me let me quick go, go through the rest. She herself is a spy. Uh well she finds out uh, that Sam Rockwell playing another guy has been um uh, he's been helping her, but then it sounds like he's actually a bad guy. So she runs away to her parents, but it turns out her parents are actually the super bad guys. And then he's like, no, you've been brain... Uh, Sam Rockwell's like, no, you've been brainwashed. You're actually the spy and all your books have been pause, memories. Pause, pause, pause. What is your name? My name? No. I need to ground myself. My name is John Burchard. No. no, her name is... R- Rachel Guile. Kyle. Kyle, which, if you, dear listener, can do the math, translates to R. Kyle. R. Kyle. Okay. That's, uh, that's not the problem. I, this is a problem. I, this is not we, the worst problem. We can get it is a problem. That's a silly twist, but it's a silly movie. That's not the problem. It is a problem. All right, we continue. Then it turns out that not only was she a spy, she and Sam Rockwell were lovers. They were in a relationship. Uh, then they get captured. By, then they meet Samuel L. Jackson, who is the former head of the CIA. And it turns out they're trying to... And current to- owner of a giant vineyard, and yet the, no one can find him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're trying to uh, reveal who the bad spies are in the uh, syndicate, which I don't think is the name. I think that's the name of a bad guy thing in Mission Impossible. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, is it just like the organization? The division. The division. The division. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but then they ca- then they get captured, and then the division's like, actually, you were a bad guy. Oh, then they go to you're to a the- bad guy. <laughs> they get- then they go to the Middle East, and they do one of those like the most boring scenes from John Wick, where he goes to the Middle East and meets a random person it's boring here too uh, <laughs> they go do that and then she goes oh no i was a bad spy then she becomes bad and she shoots sam rockwell but it turns out she shot him in a way uh through the heart that actually saved him because it was the good shot through the heart and then he comes back but, but, to but, but, life. But, but, john it was inspired by an email that she got from a fan, supposedly, that was all caps written, uh, crazy fan theory. And that fan was actually their former spy partner, played by Oscar winner Ariana DeBose. Um, uh, uh, she has three lines in the movie. Uh, then uh, they have to defeat um, the mom from Beetlejuice. I'm being reductive. Catherine uh, O'Hara. The mom from Home. I love Catherine O'Hara. I don't know why I would ever do that. Um, uh, She's lovely. Good. She deserves better. So then they save the day. Then she finishes her final book. And then... Um, 
um, Henry Cavill, who is her fantasy version of the spy character who is actually her, turns up at a book signing. So he's actually real. Then the credits start. Then we get a post credit sequence, which is a teaser for a movie adaptation of the book based on the fictional first book from this movie, which is about a younger ver- male version of Argyle, who is does not actually exist because he's actually Rachel Kyle. End of movie. Wow. I think that was like three or four or five minutes. It wasn't 25 seconds. <laughs> no. did, did I miss any twists? That's the big question. Oh, God. I don't even know. Uh, mm. Well, I guess there's, oh, there's like the twist that, um, so she thinks that she's a villain, but then there's the twist that she knows that she's not, but she's playing it as if she is. There's also the twist that she was also apparently kind of programmed Right. So uh, Catherine O'Hara, actually, she's not her mom. She is a psychiatrist at the service of the division. And she actually kind of programmed her Manchurian candidate style with uh, a music box. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe we right. still have not talked about the fact that this movie hinges on the <laughs> on a Beatles song that was not released at any of the timeline that this movie existed, it's... Okay, sorry. In corporate synergy, there was an important song in the movie that plays multiple times that is revealed to be the, the their song of the couple in the movie that they've listened to for years. However, the song is the new AI release from the Beatles, yeah. which fine, maybe it takes place in the future, but also for some reason that song is the trigger song from the bad guys to make her turn evil, which is weird because they play it multiple times and she doesn't turn evil. So, hey, I hope everyone uh, bought that Beatles song on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you do that on Spotify. I'm I'm not a Spotify guy, so I don't know. Okay. (laughs) All right. So that all sounded like gibberish and guess what it felt like gibberish in the movie theater um i think now we can get now that we've now that i've spewed that all over you uh listeners i've just vomited twist after twist into your ear let's get to the more interesting conversation we both agree this didn't work yes why i just there are too many twists and none of them matter. None of them impact the I think that the second part is more, more, uh, more important. It's just twists for the sake of there being twists. And like at a certain point, you just don't care. You're like, okay, fine. Uh, I don't care. Was there any point that you did care and the movie lost you? I mean, to be honest, the movie lost me so early because the whole concept is stupid. (laughs) Which concept? Well, okay. So she is supposed to be uh, a spy thriller novel on the caliber of John Le Carre. They actually reference that. Yes, they do. But the movie opens with a scene from her book. And that scene is not good. Like, it's not... You know, like, John Le Carre is very, 
is a novelist that's sort of like wrestling with the weight of what it what it is to be a spy and the harm that you cause the people around you and people you don't know by being a spy and it's and then you are watching this sub 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 James Bond ripoff and but then you are told that this is like the best spy novel ever like so it immediately lost me because I was like I don't like and it's also an unnecessary thing like it it's one of it's another thing where they have not thought through the implications of the stuff that they are introducing. You know, like why does she have to be the best spy novelist mm-hmm. in the world? Why could this movie not be about someone who's a hack and gets sort of put in this situation and has to deal with it now? Uh it just yeah, it's like there's all these hurdles that this movie is putting in its own path where it could just be a fun breezy like action comedy and so yeah so that's so disappointing (laughs) yeah i I think you're hitting on what to me is one of the core problems which is this is so this is a movie which it tries to cram together two popular uh kind of tropey story types one is the um a person who creates a f- like fictional world, like an artist, is forced to interact with the real version of. So the it's thing. like a romance of the stone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's that. Then it's a it's combining that with a what is real and what is fake um, identity thriller of the kind of Total Recall. This movie really wants to be Total Recall, but the big thing about both of those types of movies is that first off it well for the main thing is that you have to have a very firm grasp of the differences between the real and the unreal because the fun is then the blurring between them but from the beginning of this movie there is no difference and it's not clear. Then the mm-hmm. secondary problem is that you look at Total Recall. In Total Recall, watch this movie and then watch Total Recall. First off, watch Total Recall. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. Not the Colin Farrell version. Oh, no, I'm talking about the Colin Farrell movie. It's a better <laughs> one. No, watch the original Total Recall. It is so fucking good. Um, it is an amazing action movie, an amazing sci-fi movie, and then an amazing, like, mind-bending thriller where every twist in that movie, and it has as many twists as this movie does, probably around the same pacing. However... Every twist pushes you, the audience, back to one side of the line. Is it real? Oh, now I think it's fake. Oh, now I think it's real. And more importantly, it starts by introducing Arnold Schwarzenegger's character well and us having a strong understanding of his wants and desires and how those connect to this question of whether this is real or not. He is bored in his life. He wants a more exciting life. And then he seems to get it. And then they tell him, oh, you always had it. And then they say, no, you're dreaming this, yada, yada, yada. So it all connects back to his character in this movie. What does Ellie want? I don't know. Hang out with her cat. (laughs) Her cat that I learned is played in the one or two shots that it's not a 
deeply ugly CGI cat. Oh, um, that it's played by Claudia Schiffer's cat. She's married to uh, uh, director Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. So he, if you were wondering, why is this cat in the movie so much and hev- so heavily involved in the marketing? It's because it's his wife's cat. That's the Hold entire it. reason. So it's definitely not his cat also. It's like very deliberately just the cat of his wife. <laughs> He's like, I assume no responsibility for this cat. This is your thing, Claudia. Look, babe, babe. I'm not going to clean out the litter box, <laughs> but I will put the cat in my next movie. How about that? <laughs> deal? <laughs> deal? <laughs> but I, okay, I have two potential switches that mm. I think will fix this movie. All right. And they're both fair, fairly simple. One, you change the movie so that, um, all right, well, I'll start with one of my big problems was that the whole, the beginning bluff the first twist that we're eventually going to find out is fake uh, does isn't believable and doesn't make sense. They come and they say, your writing is so realistic that you predicted an entire interaction between two different spies. And now one of those spies wants to ask you how it played. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But it should it should have been. And I think I, I've, I've been trying to think of what movie does this. I know there's some movie that does this, but it should have been something like you predicted a weapon. Hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, it's Pelican Brief. Oh, really? I've yeah. Never seen that. I mean, Pelican Brief, Julia Roberts, she's a law student and she is sort of is trying to kind of she writes a paper about how the Supreme Court could be like neutralized or something in order to pass like some like toxic law and then like what happens is that like some entity is actually trying to neutralize like the supreme court by murdering supreme court justices by doing it and so she sort of predicted like this thing this crime that's happening and then she goes on the run yeah, and it's clear cut. We understand what's happening. There you go. <laughs> it it should be something like very like to begin with, very small. Like that. I mean, that's obviously not small, but that's something. But it believable. starts off small because she's like she doesn't. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't really know what she's writing, and then like it ends up being something that she thinks is an uh, inconsequential. It is super consequential. So one version of this movie. Imagine that in her latest spy book, she had written like that the bad guys have created weapon X and it's so, you know, super dangerous weapon. And then a spy turns up and he's like, the evil organization is actually trying to make that. And then the spy's like, but the rest of your books suck. They're completely unrealistic. They're not like spy. And he's like, like, imagine that the same Rockwell's character is kind of like, kind of like, I don't like your books. You're they're unrealistic. You got this one thing right, but the rest of it is bad. But also, I, I keep coming back to the of like, why does it matter? Like, let's but say that's that's the that's why it matters because they're arguing over her books. No, but my point is that like, let's say some author actually like predicted mm-hmm. some bomb or like yeah like. Unless you actually, like, acknowledge it. Like, if I were a spy organization and, like, some hack writer, like, wrote a thing that happened to be accurate, I don't think I would care. Like, what I, I still don't understand 
like even in that scenario, like why would it matter? Like why would that that's, be? That's hand wavy. You can you I can don't ex- think it is. Well, no, you can explain it. You can you can make up you can make up some situation that she has predicted part of their plan, and it's it's a cliffhanger for her next book where she's going to finish it. So they think sh- the, that she's going to reveal her plan, and maybe they think she knows more than she actually knows. Okay, so that would be that's, good, yeah. or like yeah. I think like her just like happening to guess something. I'm sure a spy writer that was the John Lacare thing because yes. they were like, we think he knows too too much because the spy who came back from Bacold is so accurate. But then he's like, I don't know anything. It well, just happens to be accurate. There you go. Yeah. That they could be like, we think you're a spy and you've actually infiltrated our organization and you have you're writing these books to share what you've learned with your handlers and that's why we're trying to kill you. And you could still then get to the mid movie twist that actually they're right she is a spy who had her mind wiped but either way that's something where first off it's believable but and when i say believable i mean believable in the realm of what this movie is which is a silly action romance comedy but it's believable but then also it comes back to when they're having arguments you know there's their romantic banter and he's like your vision of the sp- of the spy world is unrealistic and then you have and she's like no it isn't i'm actually a, a like a good writer or she or he's like you're actually really good and you could have her be like this series is bullshit and i want to write better stuff and he's like actually you nailed it and she's like what are you talking about like <laughs> either ha- w- either way like that's you base the like the the beginning of the quest on this character motivation either it's i'm a good writer or it could be like this series sucks and i don't want to write it anymore ma'am you're actually the best writer ever and you've (laughs) solved it what the series i don't want to write anymore and then you had the reveal midway through that it's memories that's fine and then here's my second version the entire second half of this movie Turn, tries to turn into a, a romance. And there is a, a sequence in this movie that would have been fun if I gave a shit about these two characters and their relationship. My other version of this movie is same, same thing, same mid movie sw- uh, twist that she's been brainwashed is that she is, has written a um, book series with us with spies. And there is like a romantic coupling but it's it's between the like the James Bond type and the money penny. And it's like a will they or won't they? And all the fans are like, are they going to get together? And she's like, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And then the, this guy, Sam Rockwell, turns up. He's like, I'm the James Bond. I'm the Argyle you've been writing about. You've been brainwashed. You're my money penny. You're my tech person. Mm-hmm. And the question then is, is this is he a crazy fan or is he telling the truth? But like, that's the question you set up at the beginning. Is he crazy or not? And then you have the twist that he's not crazy. And then you have the later twist that actually he's the tech person. He's the money penny and she's the super spy. And then you can get back to the relationship that like he's been trying, you know, he has some reason to be lying to her. And then they find out that they've actually been in love. And then you have the end where she's reading the next book to her fans. And she's like, actually they uh, fell in love in the end because the whole romance thing does not connect to the first half of this movie. Also, I want to talk about the weird bisexuality in this movie. Between oh oh, I see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. What, what do you think of uh, my two pitches? 
I mean, anything would be better than what this is. And I think yours are good because they're grounded in character because a lot, I feel like at, at the end, like a lot of these twists were just there for the sake of them being twists. Because mm. like the thing was, is that you and I watched this movie and you knew the twists were coming. I did not. I had had, uh, I had, had <laughs> two twists spoiled for me that she was a brainwashed spy and that and that someone gets shot through the heart but survives. <laughs> so I but I was watching it not knowing any of it and you were like I know the twist. And this was once we revealed that Brian Cranston and Catherine O'Hara were not her real parents. The Brian Cranston thing which plays well but it's just the Michael Keaton twist from Spider-Man Homecoming which does it so much better cuz it's a better movie. But I and then like the moment that you were like uh, that you told me there was a twist. I immediately leaned to you and I was like, okay, I think she has like some sort of an amnesia and she's a spy. And it was just, yeah, it's like, okay, there's like these twists, but they are exactly predictable to what you think they would be. Because there's also the point uh, closer to the end of the movie where she realizes that she might have actually gone rogue before she uh, uh, got her amnesia, where you're like okay she like looks at this roster and we don't uh, there's like a roster of uh, the uh, the spies of the division and she looks at it they don't cut away to what she sees and so it's supposed to be like this big um twist and i was like okay we know what this means like every twist is not even fun it's just like it's not it doesn't necessarily derive based on character it's just like the easiest thing to do in this juncture and then you just do that thing um it doesn't like total recall you keep going back and forth on whether he is still in whether he has had a mental breakdown while while strapped to the sci-fi device or whether the sci-fi device has awakened memories within him and everything he's seeing now is real that's the question they don't try to hide what the central question is <laughs> they tell you what the question is and then each twist adds on to that so the twist that his wife acts like a an assassin and tries to kill him. Then you have the great scene where a doctor comes in and the doctor says, listen, I've been sent in by the company. You are having a mental breakdown. I'm in your head right now. All you have to do to wake up, I haven't seen it in years, but I think all you have to do is kill yourself. And he has to decide which is real and which is false. That's a movie that is entirely about the question of which is real and which is false. This is a movie where, wh what would you say is the question? I don't know. <laughs> is rail travel viable <laughs> in North America? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was just so bad it's so <laughs> just so bland do you have any ideas of how you would change it i think i i sort of my idea that i told you was kind of leading more towards the i guess your second idea of this person she's a hack she writes these things and then she chances upon like a thing that is of some interest to someone and I don't need the twist that she's also like happened to be a spy. Like that's 
that's unnecessary. You know, it it actually makes things less interesting. I would love to see someone, a fish out of water situation where she is foisted into this situation and she has to deal with it. And it like, it deals with stuff that she actually doesn't care about. She writes spy novels because it's an easy buck and she's kind of good at it. And now she has to get good at this thing that she doesn't actually value. And then she has someone like Sam Rockwell show her sort of, you know, the benefit of being a spy or like the craft, the actual craft of being a spy as opposed to like whatever is it that it's a hack's idea of what spy things are. But this is just like, there's the movie tells you that she is a good author, but you don't really see that because there's a lot of, you know, uh, uh, recreations of the book and the book fucking sucks. The <laughs> book is not good. The book is not engaging. The book, if this were a parody of like a James Bond ish thing, it would work so much better than having the audience try to believe that this is a competent person to be clear i think the movie the movie wants the movie wants us to think that it's fake like james bond parody is silly but that doesn't help the story because no, that's this, not the movie doesn't then but doesn't, this book is revered in the universe of this movie she is revered well that's fine that happens a lot of times in movies where like the I famous just, i i just think, it's like it's always a mistake that's why Studio 60 failed and 30 Rock <laughs> succeeded. Like, you can't say this is the X thing unless it's the worst thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can't do that because it's so hard to make the whatever, like, the superlative thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. It it doesn't have to be. It could be popular. It could be popular, but, that, but that's not what. So it, then you have the spy characters be like, your books are hacky. But in the this movie. They don't. That's not the yeah. case. That's my point. My point is that, like, it's it's just, you know, just, like, don't make that hurdle for yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Could you name a time where there was some sort of a pop culture inside a pop culture where it was claimed that it was the funniest, the best, the whatever is, and it was? I, I can't. Oh, um. I feel like it's easiest in uh, movies about fictional fictional musicians because then they just hire real musicians to write a song. But they're never as good. Well, I don't know. You like there are like I think um, I didn't like the movie, but I think the the 2018 A Star Is Born. I think the the song Shallows. I believe that that would be a hit. Okay, I did not watch that, but okay, <laughs> okay, that's a good example. I, I do think with music, it's easier. Like you have stuff about like famous comedians, and they they hire comedians to write the acts, but then. I never saw Punchline. I know Tom Tom Hanks in that, mm. like, actually practiced as a stand-up. But was he supposed to be the best stand-up ever? No, I think he's supposed to be a lower, lower well, level. Well, that's the yeah. thing. But, like, if you say, oh, this song revolutionized music. Yes. Or, you know, he was a revolutionary comedian who changed the face of comedy. It's so hard to dramatize. It's better you not have, to see Yeah, it. you have to either not see it or just not do it. Because, like, if you work, like, it's an impossible task to give yourself. It's not, it's not even, I'm not even going to be like, oh, Matthew Vaughn is not, couldn't possibly mm-hmm. be talented enough to depict this. I don't think anyone could. Because, like, 
the way those things happen are very serendipitous and unintended. So like you can't write for that. And I don't know. I mean, this is just like a very, I mean, it's not minor, but it is a gripe I have with a lot of stuff. It's just no, like, it's, don't, prov- don't do this to yourself. It's interesting. I, I've had this conversation. It's, I feel like the hardest would be visual art to be like, this is the greatest painter. And then, cause you have to like find a painter who's willing to waste their good art. And it's uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I do feel like, um, music is the best, yeah, but then the, the best, best is like, like with, with anything, anything with like a, a famous, famous author or, or something. something. You see the way this movie did. I the way this movie did. You only see chunks of it. I think the problem is they can't. They couldn't decide. Are her books bad or good? Here, here's an example. Couldn't they? I thought they did, and I thought they said that they were good. Well, here's 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 the thing. We our first action sequence is on a train. Sam Rockwell shows up. And he, do you mean because the first actual uh, sorry, our, our real world okay. action sequence? Yeah. After the, the prologue, Sam Rockwell shows up on a train and he does not look like sexy Henry Cavill. He actually looks like Owen Wilson to the, <laughs> to the point where, like, for some reason, I was convinced until I went into the theater. I was like, I thought this was supposed to be Owen Wilson. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. This is a very minor thing. Sorry, go on. <laughs> he comes in and then he looks like grubby and he's got like a long beard and he has stuff. A fisherman hat. Yeah. And then there's an action sequence where. Throughout the movie, they do a visual motif that is supposed to be her point, like literal point of view with like eye blinks and like, you know, where the 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 top and bottom of the screen closes like her eyes. And it is ugly every time. And I fucking hated it. But it also makes no sense. Yes, because she keeps blinking back and forth, switching between Sam Rockwell and um, uh, Henry Cavill. But this would be better if A... He was saying, I'm Argyle. I'm the one your books are based on. But he doesn't say that because she's Argyle. And then or and then the bigger problem is that sometimes in this scene, they cut back and forth where Henry Cavill is like super competent and Sam Rockwell is sucks at his job. But sometimes Sam Rockwell is great. At, here, here's the best example. The best version of this joke that the movie does she gets forced into like a train bathroom. The mm-hmm. train slot, and there's two female assassins attacking uh, Sam Rockwell. The, the door closes and it opens on the reality, which is Sam Rockwell trying desperately to fight these two women that are beating the shit out of them. The door closes again and it opens on the fantasy, which is Henry Cavill has seduced both the women and he's kissing them. <laughs> That's what the movie should be. But it would be better if he, if, but that game only works if it is like those versions I said, where he's like, I'm the real version and your books are, are fictional bullshit. But it also, that stuff does not work in the reality of this movie because we find out that. So in the Argyle books, Argyle has sort of, you know, a best friend's like teammate kind of thing. A Ving Rhames. Who's says, not so. his lover. We're going to get to the bisexuality. But played by John Cena, he's sort of his Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames uh, character. And turns out that he, Sam Rockwell, is that character. He himself at one point says, I'm 
this guy. He says, I'm John Cena, which would not be beyond this movie to do. But then that ends since she is Argyle. So why why is she imagining Argyle doing these things and not John Cena? Uh, no, that yeah. makes no sense. And there are a few times where, like, she herself has to, like, before she realizes that she is a spy, she has to do kind of, like, spy things. Like, why could she not, like, envision it for herself? Like, oh, this is me attempting to do this and imagining Argyle. That way you're sort of, I don't think the audience un- until that twist would kind of be like, oh, is she actually Argyle? They would be like, oh, okay, this is a coping mechanism. And, like, that but that would like sort of telegraph to the audience uh you know this is happening this makes sense in retrospect that's why i'm pitching a version where he says i'm argyle and you're the sidekick and then you have the twist later on where it's the other way around because then it would explain why she is imagining him as argyle but okay i I just but i guess the question is like are we trying to pitch a plot that would make the nonsense in this movie make sense i'm trying to make something that that just that plays the (laughs) same that has the the same fun games in the scene the things you want to do but still makes sense and has emotional resonance for the characters so like okay so the bisexual (laughs) because i find this so funny so she is Henry Cavill, and she is imagining, like, in her fantasy version, she has turned herself into Henry Cavill, and she has turned her lover into John Cena, Henry Cavill's sidekick. However, because we want to hide that twist that she is Henry Cavill, we have a prologue that is a James Bond parody where Henry Cavill does a sexy dance with Dua Lipa. Now, you may be wondering when the twist happens. Wait, if she's Henry Cavill, why didn't she any ever have any romance with John Cena and instead seemed like she wanted to fuck Dua Lipa? Well, don't worry. The writers have thought about this <laughs> and they have included one line where Sophia Botella as uh, the boring characters from John Wick movies um, shows up to be like to l- weirdly imply that maybe they fucked once. I guess so. I kind of I missed that part. <laughs> Sophia Botella says. Because uh, she's like, oh, when you pretended to be a writer for five years, uh, she's talking to Rachel Kyle. She, uh, uh, she says, didn't you miss it? All the killing and the spying and me. <laughs> that That is, I think there's one other potential reference, but it's just like. So the idea is, is that the Dua Lipa character is based off of that character well that's the other thing because then at the end of the movie because because the Dua Lipa characters seem to be based on her because when they yeah. go to the boring Middle East she is dressed up like Dua Lipa she has the same haircut as Dua Lipa and she does the same fucking dance move that they seem to be enamored with where that's like she spreads her legs problem. that's the that's the fucking problem where at the at the end of the movie where they go on their big spy thing after it's been revealed that she is Argyle Samuel L. Jackson uh, filmed his scenes in two days in one location, I'm sure. And uh, no Kingle hats. <laughs> no. Um, he says, uh, well, if this is a fantasy, dress for the fantasy. And their characters then finally dress like the characters from the book. But they don't 
dressed like the characters that are actually them. Yeah. It would make sense if she dresses like Argyle and he dresses like John Cena, but instead he dresses like Argyle and she dresses like Dua Lipa. None of it makes any fucking sense. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where they were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool because this like foreshadowed this, but then the if you think a bit about it for a second, you're like, no, this does not make any sense. Just, just have it be that, that there's a, there is a love interest in the books and that she, and that you could do the thing, you do the thing I pitched. If you want to do a twist where it's gender swapped, that's fine. But also you can just, you have Oscar winner Ariana DeBose. She could literally just play the John Cena character at the yes. beginning. And like yeah. John Cena could be that her character. Like who cares? It's not like John Cena has a ton to do in this. Or at least make a joke about it where she's like, you know what? I wanted to write a love affair between Argyle and his best friend, but the publisher said it wouldn't sell. Yeah. And then we could get a funny fantasy when they kiss, and then you have Henry Cavill and John Cena kiss, which they do not. Yeah. Even though it's <laughs> it just doesn't like it. It doesn't, you watch Total Recall and Total Recall is structured in a way that either interpretation works and till the very end of the movie, you're still guessing and then you're left guessing and however you want to uh, go about it. And it is so well constructed that either could work. And then this movie, none of the interpretations work because <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Yeah, it's just, it's so disappointing. I don't know. I feel like I Bro, said I like I'm about crying. to cry. <laughs> no, but it is like I, I, we, before the movie, one of the trailers was, uh, I forget the name of it. Fall is it guy? The Fall Guy? Yeah, it's uh, a Ryan Gosling, uh, Emily Blunt romantic action comedy. And I leaned to John. I was like, this is my favorite kind of movie. I really hope it's good. And it is like, I would love Argyle. I read mystery novels a lot. I love spy movies. I love, you know, action comedies and this was just it's it's too much that's the thing i feel like they kind of overdid it usually mm -hmm. the it's like people underdo it there's not enough happening i feel like and this is just so much is happening none of and the none twists, of it matters none of the twists really affect the characters in a way other than it would be as if okay like you're listening to this podcast right now and i'm if i were to be like Hey guys, you know, you've been listening to the podcast for, we've been doing this for a while now. I've been saying my name is John. Actually, my name is Jake. And then you'd be <laughs> like, Oh, huh. I guess he's been using a, 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 a fake name this whole time. And then five minutes later, I went, guys, I lied. My name is Harry. And you'd be like, okay, well, that's not a diff. I mean, I guess that's a different twist. It doesn't really change anything and then veronica was like guys i'm actually wearing a yellow sweater and then you as a listener is like what i never i didn't know what color sweater you were wearing to begin with like that's yeah. that the this movie people keep talking about how long this movie is it's just i think a little over two hours but it feels so fucking long because yeah. by midway through you don't care about anything that is happening yes and I think to sort of slightly change the subject, it also... Talk about a different movie? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Pelican <laughs> Uh No, but it also kind of looks bad. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, It yeah. cost 
$200 million. Uh, and it, it just looks so cheap and CGI and fake. I think uh, the first scene, especially it takes place in Santorini, Greece, and it's sort of the, the fantasy scene with uh, mm. that sets up the movie. And it looks, it has sort of similar kind of set pieces that Tintin did. <laughs> the, <laughs> the motion capture Steven Spielberg movie that people really didn't like, though I really enjoyed. And I was like, this looks less realistic than Tintin did. It just looks all kind of fake CGI, blue, uh, blue screen, green screen bullshit. It just, I, I don't know. Like, not, n- not even like the action set pieces were good. You heard it here first. Argyle does not look as good as a collaboration between Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson. No, it's not as realistic as my point. It's not like yeah, that yeah, one yeah. is very intentionally a cartoon. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't feel intention. Like when they leave the fantasy world, the real world doesn't look fucking different. Yeah. And it just all of it looks bad. And then, OK, do you want to do you have anything more to say about the plot? Because I have other objections no i i have a i have a scene that when i watch it i was like this is the entire movie in one scene okay i have a scene that when i watched it i was like this movie is for sociopaths (laughs) (laughs) yours yours sounds more interesting so i i i I, i'll do mine first so there's a scene in this movie where Brian Cranston is the bad guy and he's talking to Rob Delaney, uh, uh, <laughs> playing his character from Mission Impossible 7. I can only imagine. <laughs> um, but also his character from Catastrophe. It's more subtle. Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, he has a drinking problem, <laughs> right? Did his character have the drinking problem? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, he's like, uh, he's given the bad guy bad, uh, uh, bad news. And we get the bad guy scene where the bad guy's Oh, is the bad guy going to kill his henchmen? And he picks up a shotgun that he keeps in his office. Brian Cranston does. And he's like, oh, I'm so upset that you've given me this bad news. That makes me so angry. And he's like threatening. Um, he's like threatening Rob Delaney with the shotgun. And he's like, oh, and you're like, oh, is he going to shoot him? And then he doesn't shoot him. And then he turns around and shoots him backwards. And it's like, huh, that didn't add anything to the scene and it was just dumb and made the scene longer. And that is the entire movie. A series of, they set up a boring scene and then they do a twist that means nothing that just makes the scene longer. And that is Argyle in a nutshell. Yeah, and I gotta say, like one of the nicest touches of this movie in terms of set design was that... Brian Cranston's lair is all set up like something from the Kingsman is all mm. sort of leather sofas and fireplaces. And then you pan to the other side and he's basically it's a nook inside a very sterile sort of CIA looking kind of command space. And that was kind of fun. Well, what does it mean? Nothing. No, it's like, <laughs> it's enough. But that's the thing. Like, I don't think stuff like that necessarily should say anything. It's just like what a does it huge say about touch. his character. I don't know. I mean, like, if other stuff said stuff about his character, this would not matter. This would just be, like, a weird touch. Okay. Uh, but I liked it. All right. Now get to um, okay. your movie for sociopaths thing. Yeah. So at the end, 
Uh, so this is after twist number 29, uh, when, um, after Sam Rockwell was not actually shot dead, but shot through like a secret, uh, I don't know, atria of his heart that is not susceptible to being posits that there's a part in your heart. Hey, I, I don't mind that as a thing. I just think it's executed poorly. Yeah. Cause it's supposed to be silly. Yeah. Anyway, so he survives. She double bluffs uh, the Brian Cranston character. They now know that she's actually good, and she rescues Sam Rockwell. And uh, so now they're readying to the uh, for the final shot uh, showdown with all the cronies of Brian Cranston. And there's a scene where they're all sort of like geared up with all of their murder weapons and shit. And then they have their masks on. And so they're standing in a hallway and it's a showdown where they both like shoot at each other, but it's, it's sort of, it's set up like a romantic dance Mm -hmm. thing. And I think the idea is, is that like, oh, isn't that kind of cool? Like the Tarantino thing, like we're setting violence to cool music. And it's like Sam Rockwell and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard are dancing and have like these crazy smiles on their face like they do <laughs> in, in the video for Black Hole Sun. And all, all while they like murdering people yeah. they're straight up murdering people and but they're also dancing again there's like a he spins her around and her legs are spread up in his face but it just felt so devoid of humanity mm. it literally felt like a thing of like oh yeah it's cool to see people die and people not caring and yeah. so we're gonna but it didn't feel cool it didn't feel anachronistic it just felt cruel and bad it just felt so try hard and then there's a scene that happens right after where she very gleefully puts on improvises skates because she has to skate on oil and like <laughs> gleefully with a giant smile on her face slices like random people's throats and it just felt so sociopathic to me i don't i don't know why it hit me because i like i love kickass actually and mm-hmm. i love kingsman like i like my matthew vaughn movies but in this one i was just like this is so vacant <laughs> and so edgy for no reason in that those sequences and i just found it super off-putting actually i'll say i as i watched the um the shootout in the hallway with like they got romantic smoke going and stuff i kept thinking in remove from this movie and put in a different movie i would like this I, I, i'm not object yeah i'm not objecting to the concept of it it's yeah. just it the way they did it was bad my like that that scene is supposed to be a uh she's finally fully remembered who she is these two are assassin spy lovers this is how they express their love and they finally returned the problem is i don't care about this relationship i don't care about how this moment affects their characters. So while in a moment to moment, I was like, oh, this is, uh, that's that's a, a cute shot. I just didn't give a shit. Now the oil scene, I didn't care about because it was ugly and poorly shot <laughs> and poorly yeah. choreographed. It was just fucking boring and dumb. Yeah, it was just, 
Very disappointed. So I liked it. <laughs> I liked the movie. Yeah, but definitely top five. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we we said we said in our um, in our uh, best of the year movie last uh, last episode that we could not do a worst of the year list because because we hadn't watched a bunch of movies like this, we didn't have any. Hey, but listeners, <laughs> here you. Just like I'm angry that this movie didn't set about a central question. I'm going to set a central question for Box Office Time Machine 2024 episodes. Will (laughs) a movie we watch for this show edge out this movie as our least favorite of the year? Again, I think it's possible. (laughs) I don't think this movie is lazy. I think everyone tried. I think it was just misguided. So I think this is this is everyone trying their best to make a full-throated entertainment movie. They're putting their their all into this. And I respect that. I respect that all the way. It just doesn't work. So I think a movie that is lazy, lazy or hateful can absolutely dethrone this. Yeah, movie. I have faith in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe we can do it. Well, do you do you have anything else to say about um, uh, uh, Argyle um, Part One? The, the... <laughs> <laughs> um, Taylor Swift, if you wrote this, <laughs> you are <a> very bad writer. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Taylor. Don't come after me, Swifties. Uh, yeah, no, I thought this was disappointingly bad. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what? They made an original movie. Good thing. I mean, sort of. I mean, if you, unless you believe that it's based on the book Argyle. But I was complimenting that everyone tried. Originality is I not. Is I mean, not what I, I just, made. I just mean this is not like IP based filmmaking which true. i don't know maybe i would grade slightly higher because well they connected to the fucking kingsman franchise oh i remember the other bisexuality thing so it, do they what do they connect yeah, to- in the flashback they go to the kingsman bar from the kingsman prequel movie oh i didn't see that uh, neither did I. I've seen <laughs> no Kingsman movies. I liked X-Men First Class. I like, I like I believe the, the one Matthew Vaughn movie I've seen. Oh, I saw Layer Cake a billion years ago. Uh, Layer Cake is good. And Kick-Ass. Did you not like Kick-Ass? I never saw it. <gasps> well, I don't know if it holds up, but... Well, I read the Mark Millar comics and I went, huh, this is way more anal rape than I expected. I don't think there's as much of it in the movie. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I... So they he get we get the the stupid teaser, and I was watching the scene, and it's it's a young version of Argyle, the fictional character. So it's like a young, seems to be like nineteen or twenty year old boy goes to this bar, and then this old uh, British guy, very the bartender seems to very much be hitting on him, mm. and I was like, is that like a thing in the Kingsman movies that like the bar is like. Well, that's what I thought. I thought this was a way of tying Argyle into the Kingsman. Yes, and it was. Is it? Is the bartender in the Kingsman movies? Is he like an older gay guy? Is that I like? I mean, a they're thing? all British gentlemen. Well, it's like, I, get, <laughs> it's a thin I line. very much was like, this guy's hitting on this young boy, and then I was like, oh, is that because in real life it's actually a twenty-year-old <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. 
<laughs> but then I'm like, again, I'm thinking about this more than this movie. What? Okay, John, this just came to me. What if this is an elaborate campaign for Vision Pro? Where, like, if you were to watch this movie with the Vision Pro headset, it would make perfect sense. And all the, it would, like, through the power of AR or AI or any of the A's or the R's. Well, Matt, let me call my accountant. Hello, accountant. I need $3,500 to buy a Vision Pro immediately. <laughs> yeah, they just like superimpose the right plot. Like all like visually. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard is in places where we need her to be. So and in like, my right eye, it's Bryce Dallas Howard. But if I close it, it's Henry Cavill. And if I close my left eye, it's her again. You don't need to close it. The Vision uh, Pro superimposes oh. the right information immediately. But I thought the thing with is I would get to switch back and forth. Maybe you could. I don't know. I'll, I'll... Wow. We've tried, and like everyone else, we've failed to come up with a reason to buy a Vision Pro. Sorry, Tim Apple. <laughs> 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 All right, John. Well, Can we rate this uh, fucker? Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Um. Gosh. Okay. All right. Three, Three two, two, one, Z. Wow. Again, I just don't find it hateful. I just find it a failure. Oh, I don't find it hateful. I do find it a failure. And a D seems to be the right grade. I mean, for I, I'm, I was I was just choosing between C and C minus. I would have to look at some of the ratings we give it into other other movies. But it's mm -hmm. like, look, this isn't the fucking Lion King 2019. A movie where I'm like, this is misguided, this is boring, <laughs> and I fucking hate everything about this, and I hate what it's attempting but to do. But you know what? It is a Men in Black International to me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I feel like I, it has... Oof. If you had to watch one again... I... Mm. I think I think you know Men what? I'll in give Black this. International actually. No, I'll I'll give this. I would watch Argyle over Men in Black International. Really? No, because Men in Black International was just ugly and boring and stupid the entire but way. But this was I also could... ugly and stupid and boring. Yeah, but sometimes but they were that fun one had costumes. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. But that just makes it sadder. <laughs> but right. like I, this is I I love everyone in this movie. Oh, hmm. Sam Rockwell. No, I like most people. I was like, I was... Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara? I was talking to the people at work, and they're like, well, who's in this movie? And I kept listing people, and they were like, oh, oh. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like it should be Are the better. folks uh, folks at Net Netflix Jazz that a different <laughs> streaming service gave hundreds of million dollars to make a disastrous movie that was supposed to start a franchise? Are they like, oh, this erases Rebel Moon, at least until part two comes out? <laughs> Uh, I mean, not that I heard of, but maybe that's on other Slack uh, channels. Have a few more glasses of wine at the next uh, uh, office hours. I mean, no, I, I don't need to. I need to give it to like Ted Sarandos and see what he thinks. You, so you were playing drinking games with Ted Sarandos. Yeah, yeah. I was doing Russian roulette um, and stuff. And that's he's the, dead now. And that thing he with the knife. Himself. Yeah. He has no fingers and he shot himself. Um, you, well, the, oh, boy. you guys will probably see that news headline before this episode comes out. Um, are, have you seen anything else since our last episode? Uh, have I, John? Have you? Um, you know, uh, with friends the other day, um, we, we I was hanging out with some friends. It was the end of the night. We put on uh, The Mask of Zorro. Um, it's still very, very fun. Everyone in the cast still very, very not Mexican. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's uh, I think it's Martin Campbell's the director. He directed uh, GoldenEye and Casino Royale, two of the best modern uh, 
Um, not that Goldmine's modern. Uh, do the best uh, in my lifetime James Bond movies. Uh, Master Zorro has a ton of great moments. Oh, you know what it was? We started watching Phantom. Uh, the Phantom <laughs> with Billy Zane, which I've never seen. And it was, there were moments of it that were cute. You got a uh, fucking, um, gosh, uh, what's his name? James Remar playing the heavy. You're never going to go wrong there. But I, we were watching it and we're like, ah, I can see why this failed. This just isn't, this, this is almost capturing what it could be. Billy Zane is fucking giving it his all. But let's watch Mask of Zorro. And to be fair, Mask of Zorro was made for about twice as much money and you can tell. But it is everything that like the Phantom wanted to be but wasn't. And you know what? The sexy sword fight, still a lot of fun. I, I remember liking that movie. It's, I, I'd rewatch it. It holds up. Oh, it's not perfect, but it holds up. I like Catherine Zeta-Jones. Mm-hmm. Welsh actress yes, Catherine yes. Zeta-Jones. I mean, she does look sort of I guess Latina. I can see yep. how by old Hollywood rules. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, she looks more Mexican than fellow uh, Welshman uh, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that it? So that is all I've seen since our last. Uh, oh my episode. god, because now we're back on our regular recording schedule. I don't have as much time to catch movies. Plus, I was on a trip. I went to San Francisco for a comedy festival. You want me to talk about the fucking sketch shows I saw? No, thank you. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I saw All of Us Strangers, which I was moved by, but I thought it sort of kind of had, I mean... Not super similar problems to Argyle, but not entirely dissimilar problems <laughs> to Argyle. Um, okay. Now, are you going to buy the book that is the prequel <laughs> to All of the Strangers in which uh, his dead parents are spies? Maybe, as long as it's written by Taylor Swift. Okay, good, good, good. Here's uh, a, well, here's a question. If you had seen that before our previous episode, would it have gotten uh, on your top 10 or... Uh, gotten any of your superlatives? I, I guess, oh, I did see it before our last episode. Oh, so I guess I not. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I saw, uh, let's see, what else did I see? I saw Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And oh, I thought it was, I heard that was good. It was very sweet. It was really good. My mom loved it. Yeah, it was such a sweet movie. Uh, I rewatched Pirates of the Caribbean, which I guess are, yeah. And it was really fun. (laughs) It's really fun. I I saw Leave the World Behind, which, you know what? I kind of enjoyed. Like, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I feel like the, you know, the message of the movie is that physical media is really good. And I I stand behind that. You hear that, uh, Barack (laughs) and Michelle? You won over Veronica. Well, you should still be doing other things, Barack Obama. <laughs> like, go to Ukraine or something. <laughs> uh, I, I liked Sam Esmel. But I oh, heard, he's wonderful. I heard bad things about the movie, I love so his I visual him. style. Mm-hmm. It's very much on display. So I like if, Mr. Robot. I don't. But I, I really like Homecoming that he also did with Julia Roberts uh, oh, for I Amazon. That. It's like the podcast adaptation? Yeah. And I thought that was really fun. Uh, I saw Society of the Snow. Okay. Uh, there... We w- it's very intense. It's a crazy story. So have you ever seen a live or any? No, I did not know it existed until after this movie, and it seems crazy that it did. Because <laughs> again, another Ethan Hawke playing someone yeah. from Uruguay. I know because um, uh, I feel like th- there were dark jokes throughout um, uh, throughout like '90s comedy. Like I feel like there are some Simpsons jokes about like a 
uh, uh, Uruguayan soccer teams. I oh. like I'm playing crashes. I feel like if you watch the comedy I grew up with, but without understanding, because I was too young to understand, jokes about uh, uh, Uruguayan soccer teams would pop up from time to time. Huh. It was it was good. It was pretty intense. There was cannibalism, which I like assured my boyfriend that there wouldn't be for some reason. He was what? like, I was like, is he was like, is there cannibalism in this? And I was like, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I don't know why it's I thought literally that. literally the most famous part of the real life I did not story. know anything. Anyway, there was cannibalism. <laughs> did you uh, think it was mostly soccer? <laughs> I thought it was more of the, in the vein of like, oh, we're coming together as society and it it would be like, oh, we're building a society on the snow. (laughs) You took that title real literally. I don't know why I thought that. Um, (laughs) I saw Raging Bull for the first time and it was phenomenal. It was so good. Okay, you've never seen it before. I've never seen it before. I saw it on the big screen. There was a retrospective Mm -hmm. of Robert De Niro movies. Oh, I've never done that. That's exciting. Uh, And I just, it's such a weird thing to say, but like Robert De Niro is really good in it. And I don't, I don't, and I don't mean that as like, did you know? But more it's just like, he's even better than I've seen him in anything else. He you think is, this is your favorite De Niro performance? I think so. He's so magnetic in it. Uh, and I watched Mean Streets recently and he was so good in that. Unlike, he felt so young and live. I don't know what I'm saying live, but like very like easy on his feet. Cause I feel like, the De Niro that I'm mostly used to is like this sort of ma- uh, older man with like gravitas, sort of maybe like the Goodfellas onward. Meet the fuckers too. Yeah, exactly. But like in this one, in in Mean Streets and in Raging Bull, he's a a younger guy. He has like this sort of intensity and dynamism about him. And I mean, my favorite part of Raging Bull was actually at the end when he sort of aged out of it. And I thought even that, like his the, physicality the in his, sort of, that's the only thing I knew about uh, Raging Bull is that Boogie Nights references it. And it, it's it's a great movie. You should see it. I, <laughs> I'm sure listen, I, I have seen it. Uh, I've see, never seen Mean Streets. Oh, it's yeah, good. It's really good. Uh, I saw Lessons in Darkness, which have you ever seen it? I don't know. It's uh, it's a Werner Herzog documentary about. Uh, it's mostly it's it's told from an alien perspective, sort of. It's a lot of helicopter footage of the burning oil wells of Kuwait after the first Gulf War, mm-hmm. and it's him narrating it as if he's sort of a Richard. David, no, David Attenborough or an alien presence trying to analyze what the people are doing, which is a lot of American crews trying to put off these fires. Mm. And it's fascinating. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, that one was pretty interesting. I watched Hannah for the first time. I've never seen that. And it was really fun. It was. Soderbergh, right? Uh, no, it's uh, Joe Wright, which is kind of weird. Oh, did Soderbergh produce, produce it? Am I crazy? I don't know. I think it's British, but oh, it has, but it has Tom Hollander, current Truman Capote, previous gay who was trying to kill Jennifer Coolidge on White Lotus. And he's phenomenal. He's a villain. He's like this German gay dude who's trying to kill Hannah. Uh, and he's phenomenal in it. And Kate Blanchett is the bad guy too. Uh, really good. I'm, I'm thinking, what, what is the Soderbergh uh, female spy movie? Oh, Haywire. Is that uh, weird? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, those were the movies I've seen. More than me. Yeah, sorry. 
Uh, yeah, 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 apologize. apologize. <laughs> how, how fucking dare you? Um, all right. Well, uh, we recorded this in a new way. Uh, Hopefully this works. That we've never done before because I had to use two separate microphones. So in just a second, I'm going to hit stop recording. And we're going to find out if... Uh, if if this saved at all, oh boy. and if you're listening to us right now, then it worked out. And if you're not listening to us, well, you won't know that. Mm-hmm. But just know that that it made us unhappy. <laughs> uh, all right, are you ready to find out? Let's do it. All right. So long. Oh, what are we doing next? What are we watching next? I don't know. We'll find it out. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, so long, everybody. I'm about to hit stop recording. The moment of truth is here. Toot toot. Toot. Toot.